Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Run for your life. It is a saying that many of us at different times have heard, run for your life. Tomorrow we will be celebrating, remembering 9-11, 22 years ago. And yes, as many that ran into danger, those that were around those two buildings, those towers, many heard, run for your life. And to our shock and dismay, all of a sudden, we remember one of the towers collapsing. Sometimes we watch the footage, and it's difficult to watch as the tidal wave of the plume of dust just washes over the individuals that were there. And all of a sudden you can see in their faces that they are running for their life. And they're running because people executed some evil things. They were convinced that what they were doing was for the benefit to get a specific outcome. And many lost their lives that day. The very thing that we will remember tomorrow. That's what happens when sin creeps in. That's what happens when sin knocks at the door and it lures us away. Sin is something when it tempts us, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens by little baby steps. It says, come, come. You'll be okay. Who's going to know? Who's going to say anything? And all of a sudden what we find is that sin never delivers what it promises. And sin has a way of not hurting the individual, but hurting more than those that are around. I'm reminded of my own life. You know, in seminary, it was the winter of 2008, heading into 2009. And, and I sat under this immense pressure, but it was pressure that I thought I can handle. Right? It, it, isn't it funny that when sin comes knocking, we think we can deal with it? Like, it isn't a big deal. And, 
And I remember work was extremely difficult. Seminary was difficult. Um, knowing that my time in seminary was impacting my family was difficult. And, and one evening around 11.30, I remembered that I had a paper due because I was so overwhelmed with everything that was happening in my life. And all of a sudden, sin knocked at my door. And for one reason or another, I had no means of thinking beyond what was in front of me. And, and instead of just receiving an F for that paper, I made a decision that it would be better for me to hand something in, so I plagiarized the paper. And, and upon handing that paper in, I then started almost immediately questioning whether this calling that God had placed in my life, whether he had it right or wrong, because the first thing I did was to question God. It's like, you blew this one. And eventually I would sit with the professor and the truth would come out. But, it, but again, it's certain things now start in motion, right? Because a week prior, the church um, brought me on staff. They, they said, hey, we're going to pay you for the ministry that you are doing. And we're going to um, care for you because we want you to be one of our pastors. Right, and, and all of a sudden, now, a week later, I have to tell them what I have just done. Why? Because at that time, Pastor John was also an, an associate professor at the seminary. It's not as if I could hide it, right? And, and a good friend of ours um, who will be in Montgomery in a few weeks. His name is Dr. Martin Sanders, right? He was the associated dean of the seminary, right? And it was like, oh, Lord, what do I do with this, right? And, but, but the part that, that I remember even today, right, it's those events led me eventually to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. Right, because of the pressure. And, 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 and I just remember everything just being lost and ruined, right? And, and, and I remember these words from my wife, right? She said, I was just next door in the other room. Why didn't you come to me? Right? And, and, and for me, sin did not allow that to even be an option. Right? And... And again, that's what happens when you take the bait of Satan and you believe that you can get away with certain things. And, and I'll say this, right? That decision impacted me, my family, my kids, the church in a way that I never thought it would. And here's the one thing that I've learned about that, right? Sin impacts more than just you. Impacts more than just you. And what I needed to do is what 
we can learn in these scriptures, right? I needed to run away. I needed to turn around and just run away. And here's what I've learned, and I hope that you learn, right? That when we run away and we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are not cowards. As a matter of fact, running away, one would say, is evidence that Christ is in your life. Right? And, but again, that's something that culturally we don't sometimes believe. We think that, no, I'm going to stand here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove myself. And I'll say this, right? If we think we can do battle with sin, you're already lost. Right? Because it, it, it is Christ that enables us to do the battling. Right? And, 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 and when I was engulfed in all that pain and suffering, it's like I didn't even think of it. The potential pain and suffering, right? It, it, it was a quick decision, and, and all of a sudden it led to just a lot of pain and suffering. But through it all, I did grow, right? And, and, and by God's grace, here I am, right? And, and then again, and all of that is to God's glory, right? It's He's the one that led me through that dark time. And, but we are here in the story of Joseph, right? And, and in the story of Joseph, when you're looking at such a large piece of Scripture, part of our job is really to, well, what are the themes, right? And, and, and here's the themes that stand out for me, right? The first theme is a bookend, right? The beginning and the end. And it's something that you and I will hear over and over again, right? And, and that is, the Lord be with you. The Lord is with you, right? And, and as a matter of fact, right, there is a Latin phrase, and I'm going to try my best to pronounce it, right? So it's, Dominus vobiscum es cum spiritu tuo, right? And those are words that the Western church has used for over 2,000 years. And for those of you who either have a Roman Catholic background, an Anglican background, a, an early Presbyterian background, right? It's, it's the prayer that you would say as the pastor or the priest is preparing the Lord's table, right? And it would... Be like this, right? So, so again, if you know it, you can say it back to me, right? Because this is responsive, right? It's, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise, right? And those words of the Lord being with us, that the Lord is with Joseph, is something that bookends chapter 39. It's in the beginning, and it's in the end. So then you ask yourself, so what is the, the bookends holding? Right, and, and, and there's a couple things, right? But the one that stands out is the effects of sin, which is to covet, to have, 
what is not yours. Right? And we're going to look at the effects of coveting. Right? And, and here's one of the things, right? Here is this commandment that's kind of in place 400 and plus years before Moses even brings the commandments, right? So one of the things we need to do is to locate, right? So scripture has these pieces that will locate, not so much where Joseph is, but every time scripture identifies where Joseph is, you can always know where God is, right? And, and we remember Right? That, that God will tell us throughout Scripture that we need to flee. Right? And, and here's some verses in Scripture where, where Scripture affirms that it's okay to flee. Right? Paul wrote to um, Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verses 22 to 26. So flee useful passions and pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, having nothing to do with foolish arrogance controversy. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, endure, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And then Paul would write to the church in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. This is a wayward church and he would say flee from sexual immorality. And then later in chapter 10 verse 14 he would say free Flee from idolatry. And then James would write in chapter 4, verse 7, right, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? And there are many other verses that would tell us that it is biblical to run. Right? And that God will be there with us. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that whenever we're tempted, God provides a way out. Right? The problem is, we're so overwhelmed by what we are invested in, we can't see the way out, right? I was so captured by the idea that I needed to hand in a paper that I totally forgot or it didn't even register, right, that maybe the best thing that I can do is just get an incomplete, Right? And, and, and that would have been easier for me. Right? So I don't know what's happening with the screen. Right? So, so that screen is not working. This one's working. All right, cool. Right? It's all right. So, so as we continue to go through the story of Joseph, as I said earlier, right, Scripture gives us these locators. And the locators identify where Joseph is, and wherever Joseph is, is where God is, right? And, and we are reminded, right, where we left off in Genesis 37, verse 36. Meanwhile, the, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, 
the captain of the guard, right? And that tells us where Joseph is. And for us, it's not so important that we know where Joseph is more than we know where God is, right? And, and throughout Scripture, we get these locators, right? And, 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 and God is there because God is doing something special through this chosen family, God is putting into motion his plan. You remember his plan? That was the dreams that Joseph had early on in chapter 37. Right? Joseph might have even forgotten those dreams because how can those dreams come true based on where I'm at? Right? It's like, oh, God must have got that one wrong. Right? Just like what I thought. Oh, God must have got that one wrong. But God is working, right? And, and also, and as he is in Potiphar's home, we read, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down from there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became successful man, and he was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. Right? Imagine being able to do all the things that need to be done and not grumbling over your circumstance. Right? How many of us grumble over our circumstance? Oh, this job, that, that person I got to work with, oh, blah, 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 you know what, it's like, and, and then we get closer to retirement, oh, but what am I going to do? I love that job. You know, that job, it's like, I, that job gives me purpose, it's, right? It's, or, or, or it's like, oh, you know what, it's, I, sh I should be being seen and respected for all that I do. It's like, they, they don't even acknowledge everything I do, right? It's, there's always this litany, right, of things that we are dissatisfied with. We don't see that with Joseph. We don't see Joseph grumbling over his circumstance, right? What we see Joseph doing is doing his best regardless of where he's at. And to some degree, when Joseph does what he does, it doesn't so much point to Joseph. All of a sudden, those that are around him say, the Lord is with him. God is with him. Right? So one would have to see that maybe your success, my success, isn't because I do it, but maybe because God is with me. And you know what makes it a little bit harder? When somebody else is successful and God says, I need you to be humble. Right? Because maybe their success is because God is with them. Right? But, but what happens? I make it about me. And sin starts to creep in there. Right? And, but God is always doing something. 
And here's one of the things you need to remember in this portion of Scripture, right? You ask yourself, well, how many times does the word Lord show up? Right, throughout it, right? And you can do this later on, right? But it, it shows up seven times, right? And seven is that number of perfection, right? Seven times. It, it shows up in the beginning, and it shows up at the end. Remember the bookend, right? right? So, so that would be a theme, right? That the Lord is with you. So everything he did prospered. Now here's one of the things you need to know about Potiphar, right? So that term, right, where it says that he's the captain of the guard. So, so he is the head individual who oversees those individuals who take care of Pharaoh. So tradition would say that those individuals who are the closest to Pharaoh most likely would have been eunuchs, right? Because that would mean that their devotion would be to just taking care of Pharaoh, right? So, but we really don't know whether Potiphar was a eunuch or not, but it would tend to give us reasons why his wife would be the way she is, right? Just, just something to think about. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him and made him overseer of his home and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the fields. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Right? So, so Potiphar is seeing this young man, right? He's around 17, 18 years old, and all of a sudden, he starts doing a little thing, and, and all of a sudden, Joseph has an ability to put it all in order. Huh. You think you can do that over here with the servants? Huh. You think you can do that over here in the fields? Wow. Right. Joseph's able to put it all in a way that now Potiphar doesn't have to think about it. Just think of what Scripture says, right? That the only thing he needed to think about or care about is the food he was going to eat. Imagine everything in your home being done, so the only thing you have to do is watch your Netflix. Right? And it's like, it's all done. Right? I have to worry about nothing. Right? It's all taken care of. Right? And I have the time to, to focus on the things I need to focus on. Right? And because this young man, this, this Hebrew, is like, you know what? It's his God. For one reason or another, as he's blessing him, he is blessing me. Right? It's important to see that, right? That the Lord was with him. Right? That the Lord be with you. Right? And, and as you hear those words, you should re be reminded 
of the conversation God had with Abraham, right? That God would say to Abraham that through you, right, many would be blessed, right? And in other words, that promise is in place. It is in place today. God does not revoke it. It is something that is happening every time that we represent God to the world. The people who receive it are blessed. Now, Joseph was a handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concerns about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He has not greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. Now then, can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Right, and, and here's something that you need to know. Right, so Joseph was sold when he was 17 years old. Right, we know that he became second in command later on, and we'll eventually get there, that he was 30 years old. We also know that he was in prison for two years. Right, so then if you do your math and you subtract, 11 years he's in Potiphar's house, right? 11 years with the wife of Potiphar. Hey, you thirsty? Hey, you want a sandwich? Hey, why didn't you come in from the sun? Hey, just, just sit here. Hey, just, just come on, right? One year, two years, three years, four years, five years. Six years, seven years, eight years, ten years, eleven years. Temptation knocking at the door. Right? And now you have to ask yourself, right? What's going through this young man's mind? Right? It's like my brothers deceive me. And for one reason or another, God has me here. I have been able to prosper. Maybe this is Potiphar's. He's not spending a lot of time because he has nothing to worry about. Maybe this, this is part of my job also, to take care of the wife. I don't know. Right? Maybe, you know what? It's, it's I'm going to take this advanced because up to now I have been a slave. Right? And day after day, sin is knocking. Day after day, temptation is at the door. Right? So when you see that word handsome, it's important to know, right? So, so handsome, when it, it refers to a man, is really almost the same word as what we would have in reference to beautiful. Right? But when you do a word study on handsome, right, it, it's, 
at the root cause, it, it is the thing that makes you want to grab it. Right? And, and, and when you look at handsome or beautiful, right, there are certain people in Scripture, right? So you have Sarah, right? You have Rebecca, Rachel. You have um, David, Solomon, right? And, and depending on the translation, sometimes it just might be two of these individuals. But, but there is something about their appearance that was fair in nature, and it was something about their appearance that would draw an individual in, right? And the idea with, with being handsome is, is that it could be a blessing and it could be a curse, right? As the title says, right, the hazards of being handsome, right? So, so here, Joseph has this blessing of looking a certain way Right? And, and here's the thing, right? It's most of us, when we see somebody who has these charming characters, right? It's like, it's okay to look at God's creation and be able to, to look at them and, and just really say, Lord, you know what? It's, what a blessing. But I believe is when we extend the stare a little bit longer than it should be is where it gets us in trouble. Right? In other words, don't look twice, right? because that's where you and I will get in trouble. Right? And, and Potiphar's wife, and, and, and she wanted what she wanted. Right? And here's the thing, right? and, and I believe this to be true, right? and I believe that when somebody is deeply connected with God, that there is a beauty that's attractive. Right? And it, it's like, you don't know why, but you're just drawn to that person. Right? And, I, and I believe all of these things, and probably Potiphar's busyness, or maybe his inability to really care for his wife, like, like these are the things that, that drew his wife to just want Joseph. But in the end, Joseph would say, the thing that you're asking me to do is to sin against my master, Potiphar, but more so to sin against God, right? Because what you're asking me to do is wicked, right? And, and that's what sin is. It's wicked. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her and to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house were there in the house. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Right, so day by day, she persisted. She persisted, right? And, and there's a saying, right? And, and the saying is, if you hang around a barbershop long enough, eventually you get a haircut, right? You might not need one when you first go in, right? But if you sit there and you mingle and you interact with the people that come and go, eventually you're going to go, huh, 
I think I need a trim, right? And, and it's not the thing you went in for, right? But eventually, and that's what happens with sin, right? But as she said to come in, sit down, lie with me, right? It's, all of a sudden, he realizes that none of the men are in the house. You have to ask yourself, why is that? And it's because she eventually got sick and tired, and she made sure that none of the men were in the house, right? She wanted what she wanted, regardless. And as she got close to Joseph, Scripture says that she grabbed a hold of his garment as he ran for his life. As sin itself was knocking on the door. As she was looking to covet something that she could not have. Pastor John would say that coveting is the linchpin to all of the breaking of the other Ten Commandments. To covet is to want something. And if you want something, that's when we murder. When we want something, that's not when we honor God's name. When we want something, we don't respect our parents. And for the most part, most of us would think that as he ran out of the house, he ran out naked, right? But most commentators today would say that he had an undergarment under that one garment, right? So, so again, it's, but one way or another, he left a piece of his garment behind. Right? And, and that probably just infuriated her. Right? It, because again, it, after that period of time, it's like, how much longer? Right? Am I, so, so eventually it's like, you know what? It's, I need to get rid of this young man. Right? Because he's just driving me crazy. Right? I can't have what I, right? So let's destroy him. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called the men of her house and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. And he, he came into me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Right? So all of a sudden, that's the lie. Right? And the lie has three parts to it. Right? Because again, she's building her argument. The one is, right, she blames her husband Potiphar for the Hebrew that he brought into the house. And throughout history, the Egyptians always had issues with the Hebrews. Right? So it's the Hebrew that he brought in right, is what she's telling the men. Right? The second thing is, is that he came in to laugh at us, right? Not, not just laugh at me, but to laugh at all of us. And to laugh would be to provide an insult, right? And then the last thing was is that he wanted to assault her, right? He wanted to rape her, right? Those would be the three things, right? And for her, her evidence was that she had his garment, and now these were the people that were going to side with her argument, the men of the house. 
right? So what does she do, right? Now she just waits for her husband to come home, right? We're going to see. Scripture says she, she laid the garment by her, right? And she's just waiting, right? Then as she laid up his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as the master heard the words that his wife has spoken to him, this is the, the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. Right? So she pretty much tells him the same story. The only change in the story is no longer that he came to laugh at us, but he came to laugh at me. Right? It became very personal. And here's the thing, right? Joseph, even though he had authority over everything, he was still a servant. And the punishment for what he's being accused for is death. Scripture says that the anger that Potiphar had was kindled, right? And and here's where I find it intriguing, right? It's almost as if, was he angry at her? Or was he really angry at Joseph? Right, because Potiphar probably knew his wife, Right and, and 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 he knew how she probably behaved and behaved with the other servants. Right and but now he has to do something. Right? Because in that culture you can't allow a servant to do certain things, right? Especially when all the other male servants know what Joseph did. Right? So And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. That's another locator, right? Also, and Joseph is moving. And as Joseph moves, you can say, well, God is there, right? And and here's the thing, right? That the events of chapter 37 are mirrored here in 39. Right? In other words, Joseph is given instructions by his father. He is the one who is highly blessed. He is the one that Scripture would say that God is with him, and he would follow his father's instructions to go and find your brothers. He would travel 50, 60 miles, and when he shows up, they grab him, they take his coat of many colors, they put him in a pit. Right? They would take his coat and show it to his father. Look, an animal devoured him. Right? And here he is in Potiphar's house. He's highly blessed. He's been given all authority to run this household. The wife would would lie against him. She would bring this garment. Here it is again, a garment, right? And, and she would say, this is the garment that he left behind, and he would then be put in prison, a pit. 
right? And, and you would say, right, Joseph has every right now to be mad, right? To be upset, right? But Joseph knows how to make lemonade out of lemons, right? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper in the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Right? It's, see the bookend? Right? So the Lord was with him in the beginning. Here we are at the end of chapter 39. The Lord is with him. Right? And as much as the Lord is with him, it's always amazing that the people who are overseers, the ones who are not believers, they're the ones that are saying the Lord's with him. And as the Lord is with him, they're the ones that are receiving the blessing that God is extending to them, even in the midst of sin. Why? Because one individual is willing to trust God all the way and not sit there and try to defend himself, right? How many times you sit there trying to defend yourself? Stop trying to defend yourself. Let God defend you. Run away, right? Just run away. Because if we run away, we allow God to do what God does, right? But if we think we're going to defend ourselves, we are only going to create more of a problem. Think of how Jesus lived his life, especially as he was being charged, right? He didn't sit there trying to defend himself. Right, so as we wrap this up, right, it's, we see what's in the middle of the Lord being with us. Right? And, and that is, we need to learn not to covet. I needed to know and learn that I don't have a right to take somebody else's material and put it in my paper and say that I am the author of that piece of material. I'm stealing, right? Regardless of the excuses that I might have had, it would have been better for me just to say, you know what, I am going to get an incomplete in this portion of my class so that I don't sin against God and my family and the church. Right? Right, so we need to run from coveting. The first and foremost available way to flee from temptation and sin is to not covet. When God gives you the grace to obey this one commandment, the 10th commandment, he gives you a jump on all the other ones. Joseph did not covet. That was a huge part of God's favor upon him, and the rest followed. He was able to make the best out of a bad situation because he honored God by accepting where God had put him. What about you? Right? What about you? What does God have you? Right? And one of the last things that we can look at is we covet because we constantly think we need an improvement of circumstance to thrive. And the reality is we don't. We need to learn from Joseph 
to make the most of where he has put us. Period. God is faithful. Right? He's going to see us through. Right? And, and here's the thing, right? So before the worship team comes up, or actually they could start coming out, and, and, and I'm going to pray in a couple minutes. Right? Here's one of the things that sometimes we ask ourselves, right? It's put yourself in the story of Joseph, chapter 39. Right? And ask yourself, right now, with the circumstances that are happening in your life, which character are you? Are you Joseph? Are you Potiphar? Are you the wife? Are you the jailer? Who are you right now? You know, most of us sometimes would want to be Joseph. Right? And in other words, to be the ones to be on the receiving end of the blessings. And, and, but again, it's, I think if we take that position, um, sometimes that's a poor reading of Scripture. Right? And you know, know that God's saving hand upon Joseph is that God is eventually going to preserve the holy family through Judah, through David, so that Jesus would come, right? And, and, and after studying all these different people, you, you know who I think I would like to be as I read? I would either like to be Potiphar or the jailer. And here's why, right? Because they knew, right, that God was with somebody else, and they were the recipients right, of the blessing. Right? And, and when we think of Scripture as a whole, right, we come to this place where eventually we hear Emmanuel, God with us. And we come to terms that God, at one point in time, was with humankind. He lived on this earth, and he lived and died to conquer sin and death so that you and I would be reunited with our Heavenly Father, right? And to be on the receiving end of that blessing, right? So, so I think it would be a cool thing to be Potiphar, right? To be able to acknowledge the Lord is with him, and because of that, the Lord is with me. Let us pray, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for who you are and for what you do in our midst. And, and I pray, Lord, for each and every one of my brothers and sisters, that wherever they find themselves in the story, that they would know that they are blessed beyond their imagination. So, Lord, be with us. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.